This is Jennifer Gonzalez welcoming you to episode 112 of the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about six tech tools you should try in 2019. Every January, to celebrate the launch of my annual Teacher's Guide to Tech, I choose six tools that grabbed my attention while creating the guide. Six tools that I think you should know about. Six tools that made me stop in my tracks and say, holy cow, this is good. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about those, plus two more that I'm calling honorable mention because I just had to squeeze them in. They really could make your life a lot easier as a teacher. Before we get started, I'd like to thank ListenWise for sponsoring this episode. ListenWise is an online listening curriculum featuring curated podcasts from NPR. Explore engaging and relevant nonfiction audio stories aligned with ELA, social studies, and science curriculum for middle and high school students. With ListenWise Premium, you also get classroom-ready lessons with built-in literacy supports and automatically scored comprehension quizzes, which track student progress on skills such as identifying the main idea, inferencing, and point of view. To learn more about ListenWise, go to listenwise.com. Support for this episode also comes from Newseum Ed. Have you checked out newseumed.org? It offers free resources to cultivate the First Amendment and media literacy skills essential to civic life. Learn how to authenticate, analyze and evaluate information from a variety of sources and put current events in historical context. Museum Education is excited to announce its latest campaign, Free Speech Essentials. This complete collection of primary sources, lessons, and more explores today's pressing First Amendment issues. Use 16 provocative case studies to help students explore how free speech rights have evolved, what limits exist, the controversies they've sparked, and how technology is changing the rules. Find it all at newseumed.org slash freespeechessentials. That's N like in news. I would also like to thank you for the reviews you've left for this podcast on iTunes. These reviews really help future listeners decide if this podcast is worth their time. If you've enjoyed listening, but you've never left a review, I would love it if you'd take a few minutes, head over to iTunes, and tell me what you think. Thank you. The Cult of Pedagogy podcast is part of the Education Podcast Network. The EPN family now includes 26 different podcasts, and each one is focused on education. Check out all of the EPN podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Okay, so first I need to apologize for my voice. I am just recovering from the flu. If you are listening to this on Sunday, January 6th, know that I am recording this at 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, January 6th, because I've been waiting for my voice to come back. And it's not quite there yet, but a deadline is a deadline, and so you get this voice. Okay, so before we get into the tools... Uh, let me just tell you that all of the information that I'm going to talk about today, uh, all the links to everything is available on the website. If you just go to cultofpedagogy.com, click on podcast, and then choose episode 112, it'll take you to a full blog post that is going to have links to all of these tools. 
It also has videos. Each one is going to show the tool in action as I talk about it. Um, and it's also got information about the teacher's guide to tech. So let me just tell you for just a minute about my tech guide before I start to talk about these tools. So I've been doing this tech guide now for five years. This is the fifth one. This tech guide started as an idea for a blog post. Um, I was hearing from a lot of teachers that they were overwhelmed by all the technology tools out there and that they just couldn't keep track of them all. And I thought, let me just make a list. I'll do a blog post that lists a bunch of tools and puts them into categories. And then I started thinking, okay, well, for each one, I need to put a little description and a link to the tool's website. And then I thought, well, let me also link to a video. And it just evolved and evolved. And eventually that became a little book, a PDF that had the tools grouped into categories and it had a little screenshot of each one and it linked to a video. And year after year, that book or that PDF has grown and grown. This year it's 354 pages. It covers over 250 tools. It's got a glossary of 120 plus tech terms. It's got a huge section at the beginning with different little articles that give you sort of advice and tips on the thoughtful use of technology in the classroom. And it's just something that I am really proud of because um, every year that I go to update it, I'm really surprised by how much changes over the course of a year. I basically go to every single page and look to see what needs to be improved. Sometimes it's that there's a, a link that's broken, it needs to be fixed. Sometimes the tool has a new video that I update, you know, the link to the video. Um, other times a tool will completely disappear. It doesn't exist anymore and I have to find a replacement tool that does kind of the same thing. Um, other times tools have completely shifted and they have changed the way they price things. It's gotten to be way too expensive for teachers, so I'll take that out. Um, and then there are all the new tools that have come out in the last year, or maybe not even brand new tools, but tools that have gained enough traction to start really building momentum. Or I've just finally gotten around to including them in the guide. Like up until this year, I never really had anything for history and social studies teachers. But this year, I've got 30 new tools that are just for history and social studies. There's a huge, huge new history social studies section that was so exciting to put together. I got it because I put out a tweet on Twitter saying, what tech tools and websites do you use for history and social studies? And I got like 250 responses back. So that was just incredible. And, and really, as hard and time-consuming as it is to put this guide together every year, it's also pretty magical. I find myself sitting at my keyboard with a million browser tabs open, and it happens that moment when I come across some idea that someone has brought into the world, and I think, wow, someone saw a problem or a need in the world, and then they basically used code to create something brand new to meet that need. That process, that realization of human creativity is just incredible to me. I watch as these tools come and go and change over time and I marvel at the people behind them, at the risks that they take, at their willingness to try new stuff and push their ideas out into the world. I don't think technology is the end-all be-all and of course it brings new problems into our lives. But just watching the creativity behind these tools makes me so excited to live in a time 
when so many ordinary people can actually bring their ideas to life and then watch those ideas impact the world. So let's start talking about the tools. You can get the Teacher's Guide to Tech at teachersguidetotech.com. That's the sort of shortest path for getting there, and you can find all the information on you know, the different places where you can purchase it and uh, getting group discounts. Uh, if you are an administrator or somebody who you know is a superintendent, you'd like to get this for your whole district, there's information on that too, on purchase orders. So that's teachersguidetotech.com. But let me tell you about the six tools that I was the most excited about this year. The first one is called Equity Maps, and that is at equitymaps.com. This tool solves the problem of class discussions. If you're having a class discussion, a lot of times teachers want to um, assess students on these, or at least they want to be able to measure which students participated and how often and for how long. And I know that for me personally, sometimes if I had a, a real organized class discussion, I would try to use a clipboard or a seating chart and I'd put little tick marks next to each kid's name when they said something. And that would sort of give me an idea at least who participated. Um, but it wasn't very qualitative. I mean, it would just sort of like, you know, give me an idea of, of how often someone talked, but it didn't tell me how long they spoke for or even what they said. Equity Maps is an iPad app where you basically create a, a seating chart that shows you where each kid is sitting in the room. And then when you start the discussion, you just tap each student um, as they're talking. Uh, you set a timer, basically. And so if, you know, Johnny starts speaking, you tap on Johnny. And when it shifts over to Sarah, then you you hit Sarah's icon. And so it times how long each student is actually participating. There's even an audio recorder that you can use. You can record the entire conversation too to get sort of a, uh, so that you could replay it even and listen to the discussion. And and what you get later on is you can sort of replay it and Equity Maps will show you how the conversation went. It sort of draws lines between all these icons so you can see the dynamics of the conversation. Um, I was talking to my husband about this tool even. He does uh, therapy, like group therapy, and he was thinking this would even be amazing for documenting group therapy outside of education. So I don't think this would be the best tool to use every single day, but if you are really trying to sort of formally assess a conversation, uh, even if you're sort of grading students maybe on their participation in something, using a tool like Equity Maps would be really um it would be interesting. And it would be interesting too if you happen to have students who maybe dominate conversations or kids who think they're participating and they're really not, showing them really when they participated and how often um, just makes for a really interesting way of assessing speaking and listening, or at least the speaking part of it. So that is equitymaps.com, and there is a video on Cult of Pedagogy that shows you how it works. The second tool is called Pro Writing Aid. That's all one word, Pro Writing Aid, and it's at ProWritingAid.com. So I've taken a look at a lot of writing-related tools, and in fact, in this year's guide, I think there's 15 of them, uh, and they do all different kinds of things. There's writing tools that check your grammar, that suggest you know style things, but this is the most comprehensive one that I've seen, and I didn't even know about it until this year. I'm not exactly sure how new it is. 
but um, there is a free and a paid version and you get a lot out of the free version. You basically just put in a piece of your writing into their style editor and it gives you a summary report that is super comprehensive about that piece of writing that you just sort of turned into the program. And this happens in five seconds. This is not, you're not waiting very long. It tells you all kinds of things like, for example, it'll, it'll give you information about how many cliches you used, the, the readability of your piece based on four different reading scales, the number of times you use certain words, um, your average sentence length. It'll even give you a graph that shows you the, the pattern of your sentence length. So, you know, how many short versus longer sentences and how close they are together so that you can even identify sections where you might need to vary the length of your sentences, how often you use weak or passive wording. I mean, it obviously does things like word count and it shows you grammar errors, sort of does a lot of the things that a standard writing tool would do. It's just that it does more. So if you are an English teacher, I would definitely check this one out this year. Um, all of your students could get free accounts and then they can feed their writing in and get sort of these personalized reports on their own particular strengths and weaknesses. I think it would be a great tool for differentiating instruction in terms of which types of things individual students need help on or need more work on. And the other thing that I love about it is that if you've been sort of hammering away at certain issues that your students have or trying to teach them about certain craft issues and you feel like it's just going in one ear and out the other, having a tool like this use some of the same phrases that you've used with them and some of the same, you know, terminology, it'll just, it'll reinforce a lot of the stuff that you've already been telling your students. And so sometimes having an outside authority tell you, yes, you are using a lot of passive voice, that sometimes tends to, to reach students in a way that maybe we can't. So I would definitely check this out. It's called Pro Writing Aid. And come on over to the website and watch the uh, the video demo to see how it works. It's it's uh, I don't know. I think it could be a game changer for for English classes. The third tool is called Google Tour Creator. Now I want to make sure that you do not confuse this with another tool, which is called Google Tour Builder. This is different. If you use Google Tour Builder, keep listening because this is not the same thing. <laughs> this is actually a virtual reality tool. A lot of teachers are already familiar with Google Expeditions, which is a an app basically that you use like a Google Cardboard or a, a virtual reality goggles, and you can take these tours all over the world. You can tour Machu Picchu. You can go, you know, to various places in the world virtually and 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 get like a 360 3D experience with with Google Expeditions. What Google Tour Creator is, is it allows people to create their own Google Expeditions. You can either take your own 360 photos and add them to your tour, or, and or, you can pull them from a giant library of already created photos that is available through this site. So for example, if I'm having my students do research on a particular part of the world, they can 
do uh, written research and they can write up information on it. And then they can also add this piece where they provide people with a virtual reality tour of a particular place. And they would even write up, you know, different descriptions of what people are looking at. It's just, it's kind of jaw dropping when you think about the possibilities for this, because it's not just sort of like social studies types of things The the video actually that I'm, I'm putting on here is, is demonstrating a like a, a student center in a, in a building. So students could even use this tool to sort of provide tours of like even of your classroom or of your school or of your town. They could do, you know, tours of, of you know, historic locations just right in your city. So I just think that the, the possibilities for this are really, really kind of endless. And it's just, I don't know. I was pretty excited when I saw this one. And so this is called Google Tour Creator. The um, The website is vr.google.com slash tour creator. If you've already been a fan of Google Tour Builder, I would definitely check this out. And also if you're wondering like how would a person even make these things, like don't you need special equ- equipment? I wondered the same thing. So um but I thought, you know what, I bet there's a really easy way to take 360 photos on your smartphone. And yeah, in like 10 minutes, I had one of my kitchen. So, um, you know, you can think big and you can think small. A person could do a 360 tour of just a single room. Anyway, okay, so I've said enough. This is That's Google Tour Creator. The fourth tool is called Great Big Story. And that is greatbigstory.com. This one is not an app. This is just a website. But I was pretty moved by it and I thought it would be worth including here. Great Big Story is basically just a website that produces short documentaries, um, videos. And when I say documentaries, I mean these are these are just short videos about people and phenomena all over the world. These are stories that'll pique your curiosity, that'll give you a sense of wonder about the world. This is this is their mission. This is their mission statement. Or part of it. It says, we believe there is magic in the world and it's our mission in life to help you discover it. We search for stories showing a sense of optimism for the world because goodness can grow through the smallest cracks in the sidewalk. So these are kind of just like human interest stories. Some of them are sort of science. Actually, there's a lot of them that are science related stories. Um, just a couple of examples. They've got one on America's oldest female BMX racer. There's one about a 12-year-old scientist who took on the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. Another one about the accidental invention of the best snack food ever. It's a variety of different topics. They've got a whole section called Human Condition, uh, one called Planet Earth, another one called Flavors that's just all about food. But these are beautifully produced videos. Um, And the reason that I think these would be useful is because our our definition of the word text is is really starting to expand. It's no longer just a book or an article. Video has become a pretty legitimate form of text that can be analyzed in the same way as a written text. Um, You know, in fact, most video starts as a written text. They start with some sort of a script or template that then gets built into a video. And, And as we 
progress through the 21st century, media literacy really is asking that our citizens and students become more savvy in terms of analyzing how videos are put together and, and how images and words and music can all be combined to create a certain effect. So the collection at Great Big Story would just be a great place to go to find good videos to share with your students. And and because some of them are these, uh, you know, well-researched and well-produced stories, some of them would also make great sources as a part of a research project. Um, one word of warning, Great Big Story is not a website that is made specifically for students. So even though all of the videos have the everyone rating for, you know, I, I checked with them actually, you know, because I didn't see, didn't see anything there about age, you know, appropriateness. They said that all of their videos have been rated safe for all audiences on YouTube and Facebook. But I still found some subject matter that I thought, yeah, younger kids, you know, probably this is not good for them or not appropriate for younger kids. And parents might not want them to see some of the videos. So it's not a site where I would just hand it off to students and be like, yeah, go explore. I'd say for, you know, kids in, in the later years of high school, I think that would be just fine. But for younger kids, I think it's probably better for you to screen the videos ahead of time before you share them with your students. Obviously, it depends on the community you live in and so on. But anyway, I just think it's a great, great source for really, really good quality videos. Greatbigstory.com. Number five. This one is my favorite. It is called GeoGuessr. It's spelled a little weird. G-E-O-G-U-E-S-S-R.com. So basically, the word guesser has no E in it. GeoGuessr.com. Okay, this game, it's a game. And it's just so fun. Here's the idea. Um, you know, if you've seen Street View on Google Maps, when you go on Google Maps and then you can click the little icon of the person and you see what it's like if you're standing on the street and you can rotate around 360 and you can look around at houses and stuff like that. Okay, so that's Google Street View. The way GeoGuessr works is it plunks you down in, in Google Street View somewhere in the world. And the object of the game is for you to guess where you are. You get a little map on the side. It, it's not a map of where you are. It's a world map. And your, your goal is to click on the map as close as possible to where they've just set you down in the world. So the, the challenge is that usually they set you down uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere, like on a remote rural road. And so... What you can do is you can move on the map. Like you can you can start to click to where you go down the road. You can turn around. You can go backwards on the road. You can turn left and right. You can zoom in on stuff that you see on the side of the road. But for a while, you don't see anything because it's just kind of nothing. And you wait until you find some sort of a clue. So the first one I played, I thought I was in California maybe because it kind of looked like California. Um, and then I kept on traveling. I kept looking for something for a sign. And I finally saw one. It was like a kangaroo crossing. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm in Australia. So I clicked someplace on Australia and I was wrong because I was actually in South Africa. And from doing that, I learned that South Africa has these animals called spring hares that look like kangaroos. Um, I ended up playing the game probably four or five different times. And every time I played, 
it got more and more fun because I found myself pulling resources. Um, I would end up with a bunch of tabs open because I was trying out different things. So for example, I would see, um, I'd see a word, but I couldn't recognize the language. It'd be a sign, but I, I didn't recognize the language. So I would copy that text into Google Translate, for example, to try to figure out, okay, that's Swedish that I'm looking at. Okay, I'm in Sweden or something close to Sweden. Um, and then I would end up, you know, maybe we'd see um, a building or something. And then I do like a Google image search match where you can like match an image and, and find out where it is. And I would end up looking things up on Wikipedia. And it was it was such an interesting kind of combination of resources that it took to figure out. And when I would guess really close to where I was, it was so exciting. Um, I don't know. I see this as being a really fun game as just sort of like something that you can let early finishers do in class. Or if you've got, I've got a whole podcast on lame duck days. This is that those days right before the vacation or the last few days of the school year when you kind of want to either just show movies or give them free time. And, and this would be such a fun thing to do. It's so, so fun. So it's called GeoGuessr. Um, it's a free game. I guess they have a premium version that, where you can keep track of your progress or something, but the free is definitely a, a great version of it. So that's geoguesser.com. Go play it and tell me about it because, oh my gosh, it's just so fun. Okay, geoguesser.com. The last tool before I get to the two honorable mentions is called WebJets. This is webjets.io. This is not a .com. This is sort of like Padlet. And I've been looking for Padlet alternatives just because a lot of people love Padlet, but Padlet has been kind of messing around with its free and paid versions this year. And some schools just don't have the budget for the paid version. So I've been looking around for other things that kind of do what Padlet does. And this one does it. And this one also has a free and paid version, but this is something to just check out. It's it's cool because it does a lot of the things that Padlet does, which in other words, it's sort of like an online canvas where you can just pin a bunch of different things in random places and like just collect stuff. It's a curation tool. Um, but it does a couple of things that Padlet doesn't do. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is that you can put these you could put cards into folders so that it, you have to come and watch the video because it's this one's hard to explain just by, with my voice. But it's almost like you can, like say I had like three videos that I wanted to keep on my Webjet board. I could create one block that's just a folder and tuck all three videos inside to where they would be like a little drop down menu. And they can open up right inside there and play in there, or I can close them up. And it, it's one of those things where it would be really good for collecting a lot of different things, but not wanting it to look all messy and scattered, but where it's still sort of like all visually curated for people to look at. Um, you can also pull images in and they show right there in it. You can make some things way bigger than others. So if there's something that's really, you want to make really prominent, you can do that and then have other things that are kind of smaller. I just found it to be a little bit um, more flexible and easier to manipulate than something on a Padlet. Uh, so it's worth a try if you if you like Padlet and you've been wanting something that's kind of like that, but maybe does some other things, I would check this out. I think it's got some capabilities that are not really possible with something like Padlet. So that's webjets.io. Okay, the two honorable mentions. And I threw these on here just because they're not revolutionary. 
but they solve problems that a lot of us have. Okay, one of them is called Yo Teach. And this is really important for anybody who was devastated by the loss of today's meat this past year. For anybody that doesn't know what today's meat is, let me quickly explain it. Today's meat was this great, simple website that allowed you to have back channel conversations. So if I was giving a presentation, for example, and I wanted people to be able to submit questions, you put this up, it's sort of like a free online chat room and people could go in and they just would go into it and type up their question and it would appear up on the screen. And it was a way of having a conversation, a back channel conversation without disrupting the main event that's happening. And for years and years, lots and lots of us used Today's Meet um, for that purpose. And it was just fantastic. And in the middle of last year, the guy running it, apparently it was just one guy running it, he just stopped. He just decided he was not going to do it anymore. And everybody just went, wow, what are we going to do? So I looked around and I got a lot of recommendations from people. And there are other other tools that do this. The one that I found that was the closest match is called Yo Teach. And so if you look for it, the, the URL is Y-O-T-E-A-C-H-A-P-P. So yoteachapp.com. And when you go there, you're going to think, yeah, this pretty much looks like today's me. I mean, the colors are a little different or whatever, but it's sort of the same deal. You set up a room, you give the URL to people, and it's a simple enough URL that people can just type it in, and then they're in, and then you're having a conversation. What is different about it that I think is pretty cool is that people can also put pictures in, uh, they can upload an image to it, and they can also draw, which I don't, I don't really know if that's necessary or not, but I think it's a cool feature. They can, they can open up a little sketch pad and put a little drawing in and submit it into the flow of the conversation also. So those two things are pretty cool. You can also password protect the room. And as of right now, it doesn't look like the rooms expire, and they did on, on t, uh, today's meet. So look into that, yoteachapp.com. And then the very last one is called Classroom Q. Uh, this is Classroom Q the letter Q.com. And this just solves a very simple problem that I had a lot when I was in the classroom, which is if I was doing sort of writer's workshop or group work or something, I would always have, you know, one or two kids would have their hands up and they'd be waiting and I'd be conferencing with one kid and then two kids would be sitting there waiting. And I would, I would tell them over and over again, like, hold on, I'll be right there. Go, you know, do something else. Or it would stress me out like crazy. And I know there are probably lots of things I could have done to sort of manage that, but whatever. It was just a problem for me. And I know it's a problem for other teachers too. So if you have a problem with a lot of kids sort of waiting for your attention and getting off task or dis distracted or just not doing anything while they wait, here's what, what Classroom Q does is it allows students to just enter their name in a list, basically to say, I'm waiting for you. And they can even write a little note if they want to about what they need. And that just appears in a in a list so you can have it like on an iPad or you can have it on a projector or whatever so you can see who's waiting they know that you know they need their attention so you, they don't need to sit there with their hand up anymore and as you get to them you just touch the name on your screen and it's crossed off so you got to them and it's done so the kids can go on about what they're doing they don't have to sit there with their hand up waiting for you um, go check it out it's called classroomq.com and uh it's just a really, really simple tool that solves a problem that a lot of teachers have. So that is actually not six, but eight tools that are worth a look 
If you would like to know about 250 other tools, then come and check out the Teacher's Guide to Tech 2019. It is hot off the presses and fresh and ready right now. Just go to teachersguidetotech.com and there's all the information that you need about how to get yourself a copy. For links to all the sites and resources mentioned in this podcast, visit cultofpedagogy.com, click podcast, and choose episode 112. To get a weekly email from me about my newest blog posts, podcast episodes, and products, sign up for my mailing list at cultofpedagogy.com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.